Yes, yes, yes. What's up, world? What's up, world? Good evening. We are here tonight, the Dirt Dog Show. We got a very special show for you tonight. I got some very special guests on tonight. We're talking about finances and our culture. Facts versus Smith. We got Miss, excuse me, I said that wrong, but we in the building. Facts versus Cap, really, is what we're going to talk about. Don't forget, you can follow us on Spotify, Amazon Podcast. Now we're on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us if you don't hit it tonight. It'll also be available tomorrow for the rebroadcast. You can put your comments. We got live on Facebook right now. Put your comments and your questions in, and we're going to have a really good time. We're talking about finance. So without further ado, let's bring our guest on. Dre, you ready, man? Let's go ahead and turn this thing up, and we're going to start talking. I want to introduce We got a lot of guests on today. Really, really, really proud of the way this show is going. So let's start off. Ladies first. We have Christina Robinson right now. She's on with us. She's a business manager. She works with high-level clients. And she's going to talk about the things she learned, the tips and tools about managing other people's money. We'll talk about that. That's Christina Robinson. Also, we got Quincy Worlds on the line. He's out there in California, but he's a licensed financial advisor. So he's going to talk to him as well. And to round it off, we got a man, Tony Guy. He's a financial literacy advocate and coach. So welcome to the show, everybody. Let's go. Let's go ahead and turn this thing up. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the salute. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm telling so you, I'm loving the salute. So today we're going to be talking about financial literacy. I think it's a really good topic to discuss, you know, our culture. You know, where did you learn about finances from? What are some of the things that could help other people out? So tonight is about the information. So what I would like to start with first, I'm going to ask a question to all three people, but I'm going to start with Christina Robinson first. Ms. Robinson, what made you get into dealing with finances? How did you start doing that? Can you, can you hear me, Ms. Robin? Can you hear me? You can't hear me? Oh, I don't know why she can't hear me now. You're not muted. Say something. We might have some technical difficulties. We'll go back there. Quincy Rose, what made you get into financial literacy and also, like, what made you become a licensed financial advisor? Well, for me, uh... Um, it was all about, about the opportunity of of being able to learn about money. Um, I felt that I had more money coming in, but didn't understand what was available and what was out there. Um, my being in the United States Navy afforded me that opportunity. I think he got a bad connection, man. So I took on that opportunity, and I've been enjoying it every okay 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 we have some technical difficulties man tony what made you get into financial literacy and becoming a coach unmute yourself tony unmute yourself tony <laughs> God, this thing is starting all crazy so, tony no you know what we, we good we're not gonna let nothing stop us right we, 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 yeah we, 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 we rolling through but we 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 getting there um i think Kristen says she can't hear us but um Anyway, so what got me into financial uh, literacy or, or the, the industry was the fact that I looked around and I didn't, there was no one that needed financial literacy education more than myself mm. at one time. Okay. And so I, I started my journey um, pursuing that education for myself personally. And what I found is that what seemed to be complex with, for so many people was actually very simple. We just 
we're not exposed to the right information and in the right way. So that spawned me to actually seek out some credentials to uh, actually teach. And um, which is just one of my gifts, teaching. I love teaching. So that's why. Okay, great. And then how do you get your clients? You have a website and stuff like that. I want to promote your business as well. So let's go ahead and get that out the way where everybody um, their stuff together. Okay. So I actually have a um, number that if people would like to get information from me, they could just simply type capital T, capital G, and um, get you that number real quick. It's uh, 470-688-1777. So 470-688-1777. And type the capital T, capital G. And I'll link you with all of my stuff. Okay. That's 100%. And I'm going to tell you the reason why I wanted to do this show. I remember um, learning about finances. A lot of things I learned the hard way because I had a hard head and I would go out there. Like when I first got to college, I got all the credit cards I can get. Uh, I did that at first. Then I got uh, student loan refund checks, ran up the student loan all the during college like that. And I didn't learn. That's when we were balling, dude. We were balling. That's when we were balling. It was called balling, right? Right, right. And then when it came time to do the do the right things. My credit was 100% jacked up uh, when it came to like trying to like find a home, get an apartment, buying a car. My interest rate was extremely high. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm buying a car, I'm paying like six, seven hundred dollars for like a Toyota or something like that. What's the one thing? You're paying the like thing? Three, paying like three, four times what it's worth. Yeah, exactly. Went, so yeah. Tony, what's the first thing you would tell somebody when they come to you about their finances? How how do you assess someone? What's the first thing that you start with? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, the first thing that I start with is finding out what their hopes, dreams, and goals are. First off, mm -hmm. we don't start with numbers because what your desire is, what your hopes, your dreams, and goals are is what's going to give us the target that we need to plan for. So I start there. And most people have never had anybody to ask them what they really want out of life or what kind of lifestyle they might want to have when they get to that time when they would like to maybe not work. So we start there. And then you have to really think about what dollar amount per month or annually that is your number, you know, your financial freedom number. Like what's that monthly or annual amount of money that you would need to be truly financially free. So that's, that's, that's at the top. So that's the first thing. That's, that's my first thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, now, but so I think Robinson, you, you got sound now, right? We good to right, go? Right. I have it now. All right. Okay, great. So let me go back. We were going to start with you ladies first. Tell us how you got into business management and finance and why did you do it? Well, the reason I, I um, took an interest in it is because when Red Fox died, Sammy Jr., Sammy Davis Jr. died. They died broke. And I didn't understand that. And that's what that is what made me want to do some research on financing, especially in the entertainment business. Okay. And I did. I started working with entertainers, major entertainers, and I took a look at their finances and I was saying, 
we talked earlier and I was telling you how the business managers in the, not all, but some business managers in the music industry, they don't, they're not a part of their day to day. So they don't know that some of the entertainers have homes, children, that they're married and they don't write those things off because they don't know because the, the entertainer themselves would send their stuff to the business managers and they would try to sort through what they did for the year and it would cause them to have a very high tax amount. Okay, and I remember picture. They had that picture in the news. Red Fox was sitting on, sitting. The IRS came and took all this stuff from the house, and he was sitting in the yard, like on a on a crate, like with tears in his eyes. They, I, I thought that was an embarrassing picture. But let me ask some um, both. I'm gonna switch up and ask a little bit and uh, some more things right there. What is the number one myth that people believe about finances that are not true? If you had to think about that, what what would that be? Do you want me to answer first? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to start with you, <laughs> Ms. Robinson. Ladies okay, first, always. I think one of the biggest myths about, you, you mean, are you saying tax-wise or are you just saying finances in general? Finances, period. You know, say somebody, you know, one of the big things, because a, a lot of stuff, we got some infographics we're going to get to, a lot, of those, a lot of stuff about making money. What are some things that they, because a lot of people believe things that are just not true, getting financially stable. The, and, I think ahead. the biggest thing they feel, the more money they make, the larger lifestyle they can live because they don't take a lot of things into account when they buy homes and cars they don't look at it like when you buy a car your car note may be even if you buy a car at a, at a good rate and you say okay my car note is 300 dollars a month but they don't take in consideration well my insurance is probably going to be 300 dollars a month also and even when you buy a home, you have the taxes, the insurance, and everything that comes along with it, your utilities. They just take the fact that, okay, I have a house note of $600 a month, or I have a house note of $2,500 a month, and I have a car note of $300 a month. They don't take the extra things that maintain That's those things. HOA fees. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I get that. I'm I get sorry. that. They don't I, I take a lot of things in the upkeep. They don't they don't consider that also so a lot of people when they buy homes they could be house broke because and they don't have they don't know how to take care of everything that comes along with that response they don't know the responsibility that come along with everything okay all right um quincy we got quincy back quincy i'm asking a question right now we're gonna go to tony we talked about what's one of the biggest myths about your finances that you deal with and then with your clients um what's the biggest myth that you have to deal with Quincy. Okay, so um, I feel for one that one of the big yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Can y'all hear me? Yep. Yep. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so for me, one of the it, biggest it myths that, block, that I hear is um, from my clients is that. All right. So. He got the sound from. The biggest myth that I hear is that life insurance is only meant for death insurance. Explain that. Break that down for us real quick. Yeah, yeah. Break that down. Can you all hear me? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, so what I mean by insurance, right? He's getting, he might be getting a delay. Life, ins life insurance is actually an opportunity. 
It, it is. It's a bad one too. It's a bad thing that tonight. Delayed, but not denied. <laughs> hey, Tony. Um, so, you, man. Um, all right. So, so let Tony go ahead and answer why why I get this together. My apologies, and I'll come no, no, back with, with the explanation for you that. Good, yeah, no, you good, man. It's family. Tony, what, what's the biggest myth that you deal with when somebody comes to you and get want to get their finances together? Mute yourself. Man, I have no excuse. I, I got perfect connection and uh <laughs> I just don't have my mic open. Right. But um, but you know, um one myth is is in the form of a belief or a saying that goes around um the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Yeah. That's not true because there are rich people who are getting poorer every day. And there are poor, so-called poor people who are becoming wealthy and perhaps rich every day. So that idea itself is a myth. And we like to abolish that through uh, sound financial education. So okay. let me ask you something, Tony. You, you, you mentioned financial freedom earlier, right? What, yes. what exactly does that mean? Because I think I hear that term a lot from people. And I always wonder if like, is financial freedom an objective term? Does it mean different things to different people? Or is there a broad definition for it? Dre, very astute observation, sir. Thank you for the question. Uh, I would say it looks differently different uh, according to the individual's whole streams and goals, right? Okay. Um, their situation, uh, their ideals, uh, their their way of being, their lifestyle, right? So it would look very different. But then there is a part of it that's objective, which just simply means would mean having enough money to live the way you want to live without having to work for it. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Now we do got a comment I want to show real quick, and this is from Makisha Davis. She said, "Good evening, waiting to hear Miss Robinson with all her great wisdom." So we already <laughs> got a friend right now checking it out. So I'm gonna go to the next question, and I want to go ahead and make this happen. Now, Miss Robinson, I'm gonna ask you too, Tony. We come back. Buying a home, you know, mm -hmm. some people say it's not necessarily. You know, I was thought you buy a home, that's a great investment, that's property. But people, are, it's like a, people now saying that they don't want to buy a home, they'd rather rent. So, what is your opinion on buying a home versus renting and staying in the lease? Well, like that depends on, like, I well, that depends on your goals and what do you want to do with your life and what, what makes you happy. I think the biggest thing. They're like, when people come to me, I want to know what makes them happy. And some people like home ownership and someone don't, some people don't want the responsibility that comes along with home ownership. So they prefer to rent. Either way, I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but if you, you prefer renting, the risk of renting is your landlord has um, control over the rent going up. Because right now they say that they have more people are being evicted now than ever because more landlords are going up on the rent higher and higher until it's out of your price range versus if you bought a home, your, uh, your um, home would stay close to the same house note. You're, you have insurance and taxes that go up, but not as much as rent is going up now. So if okay. you don't want the responsibility of fixing your own stove, refrigerator, all things around your house, you can rent. But if you purchase a home, you may have 
100, $200,000 in equity to play around with. That's yours. That's your right. investment. Right. And, and if I can add to that, if I can add to that, one, one of the things that's, that's, that's happening in the rental market um, now is that you have these big corporations buying up single family homes in bulk and renting them out. Right. With the sole purpose of um, just making money off of the common man. Right. So when when Miss Robbins say when Miss Robinson say, hey, your rent is going to go up, <laughs> she's not playing because um th those capital ventures those, those those vcs out there if your rent is is, is 800 now you best believe it's probably going to be 1200 in 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 a year and a half or or two years from now right and that's not going to happen if you own right all right okay well tony what you think man home buying versus renting really um as christina said is really just depends on um the person really i mean that's gonna pretty much always be how i start out because it's just the facts it's just the facts i mean we have a lot of cookie cutter information out here but we really have to get down to the nitty-gritty of of the individual's desires um now outside of that it's more or less being a homeowner gives you something to leverage whereas renting I mean, there's not much you can leverage there. Um, you, you don't have certain responsibilities of, of, of your home, but um, being a homeowner, you can you can leverage that in a very fine way um, if you have a good coach and you know what you're doing. Okay. All right, Quincy, you got a good connection now? Yes. <laughs> he, he had to go back to the phone. <laughs> he, he had to go back to the phone. The laptop was not working, bro. I'm glad you got it. And now we got Quincy, Quincy on the show with us. Quincy, your, your thoughts as a financial advisor, home buying versus renting? Well, so far, the last two individuals that I've heard have made solid, solid points. It's always based on the individual. And, and to be quite frank with you, you have to be honest with yourself where you are financially. Mm. Um, because you may think that you can afford right now buying a house, but we all know the market is like an elevator. It goes up and down and, and, and you, and at the minute, you know, depending on how long it takes for you to close on a house, it's so many things that you may end up having to do, like getting people to come in to evaluate the house. You have to, you have to think to that mindset of, okay, I'm making an investment, but how much is that investment going to cost me? Because oftentimes what people want to do, they want to look at the final all be all. Hey, I got me a house. I can invite everybody over. I can you know I can keep up with the Joneses. But then the Joneses may have already had themselves established enough to do it. Whereas with renting, you can kind of watch how the market is going. You can kind of, you know, get your information, you know, make some decisions and, and look at look at how you're spending first before you even jump into that pool. And, and it's a dangerous pool to jump in. You know, so I, I think for me, it just, again, goes back to how disciplined you are as a spender, where you are, how much money you've set aside to take care of certain things that may end up coming up, you know, last minute. Well, thank you, Quincy. That, when you said mindset, I'm going to go to my next question, because what I want to talk about is our culture and financial literacy. Now, I'm going to start with Ms. Robinson. Where did you learn about finance? Did you learn from experience? Or did somebody teach you? Uh, I, at my father, my father owned a teenage center. And I was, believe it or not, 
he had me working at the teenage center before I had taken math in school. I was actually doing inventory and ordering drinks and any candy or anything it needed. I knew how to do that. I know no one is going to want to believe this at the age of four. Wow. No, I could believe that. <laughs> I, I believe that. He started <laughs> at the age of four and he was, I had three older, older brothers and he said, well, she's better than they are. She, she takes it more seriously. And I just, I was just good with math. I can just count. If someone talks to me about going into business, I can, I give them uh, a projection based on their conversation. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Tell me, man. So what, so what you know, were you, did you grow up with financial literacy? What got, how did you get what you was doing? Were you taught it or did you learn from experience? Hmm. Well, a combination of both, but I grew up with a family. Um, my parents, both of my parents were teachers. And um, so I didn't grow up with a high level of financial literacy. Now, I'm not saying that t teachers just don't have a high level of financial literacy, but hardly nobody has, including teachers. If we're born here in America and we went to school here, it's just simply not taught in school. So uh, one day I looked on my bookshelf and I just want to do like a little evaluation of what kind of books I had on my shelf. And I realized that I had everything from ancient history to religion to all kinds of things, right? Culture, society, hip hop, everything. But I didn't have not one book about money finances. And, and finances. And I was like, and, and I wasn't really trying to ask, asking myself, like, what's going on with my finances? They were jacked up. But I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> but when I realized that I didn't have any books as much as I love books, immediately I looked at myself. I looked at my bank account. I looked at my financial situation. And I said, oh, my God. It makes perfect sense. I have zero real financial education. And then the light turned on and I began that I began that process. And I, and I will say my first intro as far as a book to financial, even just the word financial literacy was the uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. That's I think that's the first time I ever heard the, the two words put together was financial literacy. And ironically enough, you know, he kind of leads you to a path of, of dealing with real estate. And eventually I got into just what I call pure financial literacy without the meandering of this and that and the other. Just what, how does money actually work? Okay, exactly. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Ms. Robinson. Okay, I would like to say that I also pay attention to how the system is, is designed. And I've often told my children that the, the system is really designed for you to fail. Mm -hmm. Really not just, and then most people who are winning, you're investigated because they're trying to figure out how. They're like, how are they making it when the system is not designed for you to fail? Like, you would be surprised that the lending opportunities that bank gives the banks give you, they don't intend for you to pay that in cardinal. They intend for you to fail. They will give loans to people for homes and cars and things and credit cards for you to fail. They don't, it's not designed for you to win. You really have to really maneuver around it and understand 
what it is, how you can win. So you really have to be careful because if you fall into the system and people say, oh, go to school, get a job, buy a home and live the American dream, it is going to challenge you. And it's, it's, it's a strong chance that you're going to fail because a lot of people say they don't understand. Well, how did I get here? And then they followed all the things that they were supposed to follow and did everything they were supposed to do and it didn't work. So I try, I, I wish that I had the questions so I can answer people questions as to what it is that they would need for it to work for them. Hmm. Quincy, you want to jump in on that? Oh man, I definitely want to do, man. Y'all hitting it right on the nail. So something that blew my mind two years ago, I, I learned about something called the, um, oh wow. It's on the compound interest formula, basically the rule of 72 which was created by uh, Albert Einstein. And it shows how long it takes for your money to double. Let's say, Dirt Dog, I love you so much, man. You know, you did a lot for me at Fort Valley, and I decided to give you $10,000. Where would you put that $10,000 at most likely? Oh, man, you know what? The bank, right? Right, and, you the know, bank. Learning, but they ain't where I need to go. <laughs> nope. I'm going to tell right. you. He's right. The bank, the bank is going to take that $10,000 that you give and say, thank you so very much, dirt dog. We're going to put it up into a, either a savings account for you or a checkings account. And nine times out of 10, they're going to give you 1%. Not even that. You take 72 divided by that 1%, it's going to take you 72 years for that money to double. Do you have an additional 72 years for your money to double? No, I don't. I'm 45, bro. <laughs> <laughs> now, now dirt dog, I love you so much, but this time I'm the bank. Let's say I give you 8%. 72 divided by eight is what? Nine. Now, do you have an additional nine years for your money to double? No. Right, because you want more. You want more, right? Yeah. So what I'm saying is the, the higher the interest rate you get on your money, it's going to double. But banks are not going to be that generous when it comes to interest. Right. So, so people have to come to understand that there are other outlets and other products out there but you have to be willing to do the research. And the problem is that, look, I get it. Racism is alive and well. But the true battle out there is really between those who have and those who don't. That's the true battle. Because the only color that money sees is green. And those who have it yield the power. And so now you have to educate yourself. I remember at one point in time when there was a such thing as the middle class. They are trying to kill out the middle class now right. because the middle class meant that there was a there was a middle ground that you could make it into. And okay. so now you got to start thinking, what what can I do to, to better myself? The only way you could do that is through financial education and literacy. Do you know that wealthy people, for the most part, all have a financial advisor? What separates them from people who are struggling financially is that people who are struggling financially, they they do this. One, they don't own. Two, they're, they're always dead. Three, they don't have a financial advisor. I did I did research on CNBC and found out that the on the number seven top job out there in in, in the career path is financial advisors. Okay. Robert Kiyosaki, the same gentleman that Tony uh, mentioned, stated that all wealthy people have a financial advisor. And if wealthy people who have money need somebody to, to manage their money, 
what that nobody else don't. Hmm. Now I want to switch up to another thing, and then Dre, let's get one of the infographics ready. We're gonna go 